Hi everyone, I'm Annabelle, and you're listening to Love and Audio Diary, where I unpack a lesson on love from my week. Grateful to have you listening. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have Father David with me for this episode. It was honestly such a challenging yet illuminating conversation we had on the topic of love and what it really is from a theological and philosophical standpoint, and kind of also how it's gotten lost in translation in modern day society. So a bit about Father David Garcia, he is a moral theologian and has been a Dominican friar for the last 38 years. He's also been in Singapore since 2001. He is currently the chaplain for the Catholic Medical Guild, religious assistant of the lay Dominican Singapore, and the spiritual director of the Couple Empowerment Program and Natural Family Planning. So I hope you enjoy this episode and gain a new insight about love. Enjoy, and I'm so grateful to have you listening. Hi, Father. Good evening. Thank you for coming on this podcast. So for my listeners, I just want them to know a bit about who you are, what's your story, where you're from, and how did you end up in Singapore Mm -hmm. talking to me tonight on this podcast? Okay. So a little bit about myself. Uh, I am uh, Father David Garcia. I am from Spain. I am a Dominican priest. I have been priest a priest for 35 years, I think. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I came to Singapore uh, 23 years ago. So originally, I, I was born in Spain. On When I was 22, uh, we were sent to study to Rome. And from wow. there, I went to the Philip. I went to Guam to try to study English. It didn't work very well, as you can tell. <laughs> and then uh, I was sent to the Philippines. I stayed there for five years, uh, two years in China, a few months in Hong Kong, here and there, and wow. now in Singapore for twenty-three years. So what I do basically is I teach. Uh, my field of uh, teaching is uh, moral theology, and wow. that was particularly what I have been doing the last uh, many years. Wow. For people listening, Father David is one of the smartest people I've ever encountered in my life. And I've encountered a lot of people in life. And Father is just, Uh, yeah, the way he thinks is really awesome. Okay. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) But um, Father, tell me a bit about your journey to becoming a priest. I mean, I know you shared this with... A few people, but like, what what was that journey like? Because you said you, you started when you were twenty two, so you went to school at twenty two. But from no, one uh, day- it, yeah, it started much earlier. So it's actually very boring. Uh, back in the days, there was something called um, vocational schools. That was uh, okay. boarding school. So I went there when I was eleven. So wow. my uncle is also Dominican, and he was in this school and I mean in this uh, Dominican house that also runs a school. So in those days, my father had a very bad uh, uh, form of cancer. So we didn't know if he was going to survive that. And so since this was a boarding school, uh, it was uh, my parents thought it was uh, good that if I maybe I could go to this school and stay there, my mother could take care of my uh, brother, which who was much younger than me, so that's how I ended up in the school. 
and then I was okay. there for five years, I think. Okay. And uh, so once you finish the school, you have been exposed to Dominican life, to many Dominicans. Many of your classmates, elder classmates, have become uh, Dominicans themselves. Wait, then, what are Dominicans? I mean, just you know, yeah, for people yeah. who don't know. So they are a group of friars. It's an order in the Catholic Church. And we okay. call ourselves mendicant, with, along with the Franciscans, Carmelites, and Augustinians. And we were born around the 12th century as a kind of an alternative to monastic life. So it was mm. part of religious life, uh, friars, uh, we, as we call ourselves, which means brothers that live in communities where mm. we are all equal. There is nobody who is above anybody else. Even our superiors or the leaders, uh, they are only temporarily temporary leaders and after they finish mm. their, their their leadership they become just another another one more of the of the brothers and that's more or less what Dominicans, Dominicans are a group of friars who's uh, who think who believe in preaching and not necessarily that they preach better than others but uh, sometimes you are good at it and you don't uh, you're not very passionate about that so uh, mm. we believe in preaching and try to be uh, good at it I guess yeah. I, so the Dominicans specialize in preaching, whereas, let's say, I don't know, the Carmelites, they would specialize in something else. Correct. Yeah. So ah. St. Dominic founded the Dominicans and he, he was traveling through France and uh, he noticed that many people were uh, leaving the Catholic faith. And they were leaving the Catholic faith because they wanted to leave the gospel more truly, more, more deeply. And in intending to do that, they fell into some kind of... Uh, uh, wrong versions of the gospel, let us call it like that. So St. Dominic was very sad, very much affected about that. And he uh, he wanted to preach the true gospel, so, so to speak, right? Mm. So preaching and truth has become like, uh, it was his his uh, inspiration. And then many other, other, other people started to gather around him and believe in what he believed and follow him. And that's, that's the origin of wow. the Dominicans. And for yourself, why did you decide to become a priest? Why, why not just get married? As in, what was that decision-making uh, for you? Actually, my, my commitment was to Dominican life. That's what I knew, and that is what I wanted to, to, to do, to be a Dominican. To, the more I, I, as I said before, we end, I ended up being a Dominican kind of uh, by inertia, if you want. But uh, that's not, sometimes what attracts you is not what makes you stay. Uh, it that mm. works in marriage as well. So maybe you are attracted to uh, to some person for some particular reasons, but that's, that's, those are not the reasons why you stay in the relationship. So something like that. I was uh, I started because was, as I said before, I I was in this Dominican school. But what made me stay, remain, mm. and try to to be is the the same the same beliefs that Saint Dominic believed that uh, when you understand the truth of who God is. Uh, it is much better. Uh, it is a much better version than the version that is uh, not so true. And therefore, it is worth not only to believe in God, but also to try to understand him and to know him as much as you can. Thomas Aquinas said famously that you can only mm. love what you know. And wow. therefore, the, the more you know how good God is, the more that the easier it is to love him. Did you ever have a girlfriend? No. Uh, <laughs> Okay, just I'm just I, curious. I think that helps, yeah. 
So, uh, but, in the boarding yeah. school, we were all boys, so there was no chance for uh, any of us to, to meet have the ladies. There were okay. no ladies around. We were like uh, maybe two, three kilometers <laughs> away from uh, any civilized uh, wow. settlement. <laughs> and we only went home when in Christmas and summer. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, then, you're just uh, around I, men, no girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. And I, entered, I entered when I was very young, I was uh, 17. So, yeah, no time for girlfriend. Yeah. Wow. But um, this is a question I ask my interviewees, which is <laughs> what are the greatest loves of your life? Without any doubt, this, uh, my parents, my mother and my father, without any, any doubt. Mm. Yeah. So my wow. father is 90 now and my mother had a stroke. She's, she's not very, she's in a state of uh, mental state they call minim, minimal awareness or minimally aware. And uh, But yeah, throughout my life, uh, my parents never, they're, Spanish and they're old school, <laughs> so they never mm. ever told us "I love you." Those are <laughs> sounds like Asians as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that thing of "I love you very much" it sounds like a Hollywood movies. So nobody in Spain really? in my days. Said I thought that. Spanish yeah. people are very romantic, as in they are very. They might be, but so that's exactly my point. That you don't need to say when you do it, you don't need to say. It. And I think that's 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 was very clear for for myself and I guess for my brother that we never ever doubted the the love of our parents because sometimes to know a person very well you don't need to listen to what they say you have to watch what they what they do what and, they choose to do so it is wow. in their choices in our choices that we reveal our true selves and, and that's I think everybody knows that instinctively I think any child knows what kind of choices the parents are doing. And which one of those choices are choices for their own good, and that is how you 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 know how much somebody loves you. So uh, yeah, without any doubt, those are the. How did they display love towards you and your brother that you knew that they loved me a lot? Because I think that there, there are some people who may believe that you know I didn't have a good mm -hmm. relationship with my parents, or you know. Mm -hmm. But for you, it seems that your way of thinking is that you really knew that they loved you. Yes, how? Uh, as I said, I, I don't know. I cannot tell you a story that I, I could. I could tell you one story that is uh, that reveals that kind of love. Perhaps I don't know. Perhaps it helps. So mm. there was, a, uh, as I said, I was in a, in this boarding school when I uh, since I was eleven. So I only yeah. got to go home when I was in, in, during holidays in uh, in um, summer, Christmas, and only for a uh, one month at at a time. Mm. So you, you, I, I could tell that my mother was very intense in trying to show her love by cooking the things I liked, by making sure I was okay and all that, by cleaning your room and all these things. But mm. I remember when I was already in my teens, uh, you start to want a little bit more of privacy and more... You, I, I have been by myself practically since I was mm. 11. So I was very independent and all that. So every time I go home, I feel that this independence is kind of being intruded somehow because my mother, <laughs> That's still, so true. My mother still you, treats you like a five-year-old. So there was this time that I, I was, when I was younger, I used to play the guitar and I have this, uh, how do you call this? This device to play the guitar is a small plastic. Uh, a capo. Yes. Yes. And I have, I have one that was, I have filed 
to perfection, to the right uh, wow. shape, shape and 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 stiffness, so that it, I, I like how it was, right? So and I had it in my in my drawer, and one day I go to the drawer and it was not there. So I knew it was my mother. Uh, probably she had thought that it was just a piece of uh, useless plastic because that's how it looked like. <laughs> that's and, true. Yeah. So I use that as a perfect excuse. So uh, now I ca- now I have an excuse to tell my mother to stay away from my things, right? <laughs> so I pretended I was upset. I went down the stairs. I looked for my mother. Where is my thingy, right? And my mother looked at me and she was clearly intimidated by my... <laughs> fake anger, and it turns out that she has thrown it away in the garbage. Right. Oh, no. And uh, so my, I live in a very rural hometown, and so how do you dispose of the garbage? Is that you, you send it to a, a kind of big hole that there is like two kilometers away, maybe not, one, one kilometer away, right? And everybody mm. dumps their, their, their garbage there, and once in a while, either you burn it or you cover it, so that's yeah, more yeah, yeah. How, how it was disposed, right? And okay, so I forgot about it, and I we went for lunch and all that. After lunch, we, I go upstairs, and the thing is back in my drawer. Wow. Okay. So my mother had walked one kilometer to the dumping grounds, look for the bloody mm-hmm. thing, take it back, and put it in my drawer. And I was like, okay, so. That's uh, that's very embarrassing on my side, but I think it speaks volumes of her her oh fidelity gosh. and her willingness to to. Uh, she was instead of so that's my point. She didn't say sorry. Wow, that that makes say, me emotional. Wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah, so she didn't say sorry. Uh, <clears throat> I think she said, I think I threw it. I, I don't even remember what she said. Yeah, you, you, you know that's that's exactly my point. That I don't know if she says sorry or she said, "Do you want me to go?" There? So she didn't say anything. She just said, "I think I." I vaguely remember she said, "I think I threw it to the garbage." So I forgot about it because it's just a piece of plastic. I can make another one another day, right? But uh, yeah, she was not happy with that, and then she put it back. Wow! So things like that, right? Things like that that, uh, as I said, ex- uh, revealed very well how much they are ready to be committed to. To make you that you are okay and you are happy practically that that would be that would be the and wow. the same thing so my now my i go to my my father lives alone in a in a flat and all that and the first thing he wants is he feels sorry because he cannot cook as well as my mother cook right and then he said i hope you like the food and all that of course i like it i mean i don't i don't like <laughs> quite i'm quite contented with uh, anything but you can tell that he's uh, he he he's extra worried that I am okay and I'm happy and and everything is yeah. is, is, is well. That's so, so that's yeah. but I think that's a really beautiful story because I feel that I mean your can I guess your age you're what fifty? Uh next week fifty six, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I think for a lot of people they don't necessarily display that closeness to their parents. Uh mm. and that is and like, whether they're young, whether they're old, I know a lot mm-hmm. of people who are not close to their parents. And is it important that we are close? And if so, how do we retain that closeness? Or how do we get, how do we love our parents, especially when they really annoy us 
and they go through our stuff. They nag at us. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. 25 and, you know, I, I save my parents and I love it, but sometimes it gets really difficult. So yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how do we form that relationship to love better? I don't think, I, I don't think there is a formula. As I said, mm. for me, what is important is to be reassured that they love you, that yes, they are irritating because everybody is irritating. And, but at the end of the day, that's not what matters. So I, I really started to cherish that. Uh, when mm-hmm. I was a priest and I started to, to hear horror stories of other people, I always thought that that's the way every single parent loves their children. Until you start to hear other stories in which yeah. uh, people feel totally abandoned by their parents or abused by their parents or neglected. Or, and I said, well, as I said, I can, I can tell you many times in which my parents are annoying and, and irritating and not understanding or whatever it is. Uh, but I have never, never doubt their love for me for, for a single, mm-hmm. not for a second. That's the difference. That uh, that reassurance, I think, is is I didn't know it was as rare as it is. I thought it was something very common that everybody feels and all that. And the, yeah. then once again, I mean, we I I get a biased uh, sample of the population. I am like just like doctors. Only sick people go to doctors. So they get a biased sample of the population. They, they think that everybody's sick. So priest, uh, to us, it happens uh, something like that. So we get a, a biased sample of the population, but uh, that's, that's the, the, the sample I get. People who, uh, yeah, for one reason or another, have not been as lucky, as, as blessed as I have with my parents. Wow. And what do you say to them? Whether they come to you, you know, for advice or they're just trying to you know, lament or rant? Like, what, what do you say to them? I don't think there is a sentence, a paragraph, a kind of a, a fixed prayer that you can do to fix those things. Uh, it's mm. like, imagine somebody is drowning in the sea and then you say, what do you tell him? How do you tell somebody to learn <laughs> to swim in, in, in five seconds whilst he is sinking? So I don't think uh, there is a secret uh, sentence or a secret spell to... Uh, to bring mm. people out of the situation. I think first of all is to be to listen and to listen intentionally so that to listen because they matter. You mm. don't have to pretend that they matter because if you really they really matter, they it will show in how you listen. And that's uh, that's that's so I don't think it's the conversation, is the, the the sentence, is the the phrase. I think it's the relationship. Even in, in counseling, I am not a counselor. Mm-mm. But I think yeah. I think that the the healing process of counseling is not in the council, it's in the relationship between the counselor and the client. I, I don't think I can tell you a sentence that fixes things, uh, but there are relationships that uh, fix things, there are relationships that spoil things, and you have to try to be on the side that uh, tries to fix things, or at least be enlightened enough uh, if the relationship is not, not working, is not healing. Uh, then advise them for another relationship. But how do you say that to someone who's like their parents, they have a broken relationship, their parents, you can't say to them, maybe you don't need this relationship. I mean, do you say that to people? Okay, we don't have a choice about the parents. We have the parents we have. We cannot change them. But there is something we can do about how other people treat us. We can choose how to be touched by by those behaviors. 
somebody can insult you and that can ruin your life or can leave you totally unaffected. Jesus was insulted by people. I'm sure he was not totally, I'm sure he was not traumatized by how mm -hmm. people insulted him. And I think that's we we have that power. We have the power to say, okay, this person maybe wants to abuse us, abused us indeed, or whatever it is. But there is a, a power we have to say, yes, but I'm not going to let that affect my life. Mm. And that's, that's easier said than done. But uh, I think we have that certain power. Um, so once again, it's not something you can do in a second, but you can, you can work on it. You can work on people have insulted me, have mistreated me, have abused me. Yeah. But I, I have the power to decide uh, how much that is going to affect my life. And you can choose. So if somebody you mm -hmm. think about, and we go back to the issue of how deep your relationships are. If somebody insults you and you not, don't even know them and you think that they are crazy, that doesn't bother you. You just go about your life because that, that, that crazy guy insulted me, right? But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't touch you. And that's, I think, the power of the, the power that we all have. And mm -hmm. that's on the human level, if you want. On the divine level is that the, if we are reassuring the love of God, then other loves that may fail should not affect. We, we, we become empowered and not to be so touched by other, other um, abuses. So in, in, that's more or less what the mystery of uh, Jesus' redemption is, that uh, he was abused, he was killed. And uh, because he was... Uh, assured of the love of the father, he didn't let that that uh, abuse uh, bring him down. Mm -hmm. He gathered the the courage to even face the cross. Wow! And, and that's more or less. But uh, so we are not only empowered humanly. We can have we can create that distance and say I'm not going to let this touch me very deeply. But uh, we can. The more we deepen our relationship with God, the more we empower ourselves not to be touched by these, uh, these other mm, abuses. Yeah. So on that topic of love, actually, I mean, I think there's so many interpretations of what love is, especially in a secular, modern-day context. I can say I love hamburgers, but yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like it's not the same effect yeah. as saying I love my mom. It's yeah, two yeah, very yeah, different yeah. things. So I'm yeah. just wondering, yeah, what, what what's your take on that, like, are we getting love right as, as a modern-day you know, 21st century society? So to the confusion of love, I think the, the English language adds a little bit because the, the word love in the English language is, is used and abused all the time. As, I, as you said, mm -hmm. you can love uh, food and you can love deeply someone. You can love God, your children, your spouse, and it's, it's the yeah. same word. In other languages, they, are, they have more words to... to, to, to um, to mean the different describe. kinds of love, different yeah, kinds of describe. love, how yeah. we love our parents, love the children, how children love the parents, how friends love each other, and how uh, spouses love each other is very, is very different, right? So how we love food is, is I hope. Yeah, different. <laughs> so the classic definition is that uh, love is to will the good for the other person. So when you are eating food, you are not, you don't will the good for the food. Just, just will <laughs> your own good. So that's that. That wouldn't be classified as a kind of love in the in the strict sense uh, sense of the word. But even now, even then, uh, there is a huge difference between how parents will the good for the children and how spouses will the good for their spouse. Right. Mm. So, um, but I think that that definition is a, a at least gets that that bit well. Right. 
Mm. Um, so what is important in that definition is that it is a part of the will. It's not an emotion. The emotion mm. should be there, but it's insufficient. If you or emotions is something that affects us. Yeah. If something horrible happens, I become scared. If something wonderful happens, I become happy. Foolish. It's like the external circumstances affect us and changes us, right? That's more or less. Mm. That's why emotions in the Middle Ages were called passions. Passions because you, oh. you receive, it's not an action, it's a passion. The action comes from outside and you receive that action in yourself, right? And uh, so love uh, if it is true it's not only there is there is the emotion of love so in thomas aquinas distinguishes between the passion of love the virtue of love right and the mm. love of god what's so the difference the, the, the emotion of love is something that happens to you so you are in this relationship and you feel awesome because this person appreciates yeah. you this person is devoted to you you are mm. fun when you are with this person is something that happens to you so that that would be the emotional love if you want and that is good and necessary, nothing, but it is insufficient to, to, to have a long-lasting relationship. So even Aristotle said that the moment you don't receive anything, then that mm. love stops, right? So emotional love is very much dependent on the on the on the circumstances and what you are receiving. Mm. And getting, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to something a bit more stable, you have to commit yourself to that. And the other person has to commit yourself herself or himself to that. To, to, to the good of the other one. And this is why it is defined as the will of the good for the other person, right? That you want mm. something good for the other person if you really want it. It's not wish. It's not a wish. Uh, I can wish that mm. I can wish you well and I am not going to do anything about you, right? So that's, mm. that's not, that's not uh, will, properly speaking. So it's that you really want the good for the person and therefore it is, it is proven in what choices, that is what the will does, it chooses, right? What choices mm. you make for the good of that of that person. So think about how parents will the good of their babies and do everything to make sure that this baby grows mm -hmm. up and has, is satisfied in, in all but in, in all they need, etc. So that would be the the difference between emotional love and a bit more mature love that has moved beyond emotions. And of course, as I said before, there is nothing wrong with that uh, into the commitment. So some some uh, sometimes you hear. Some programs said that love is not an emotion; it's a commitment. No, it's, it's both. a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice. Uh, I think that's, that's a bit uh, too much because it is not really. <laughs> it's not really a choice. You cannot force yourself. You can force yourself to eat fish if you don't like it, but if you see somebody on the opposite side of the of the of the street and say, "I'm going to choose to love that person," I don't think it works like that, right? So you cannot mm, force yourself to just love instantly somebody. Uh, you can grow into a more loving person, capable of loving people with less less uh, less need of the goodness of the other person. I was going to talk about that, right? So Thomas Aquinas distinguishes also in the what is called charity, and charity is called mm. he, he defined charity as friendship with God, which is quite interesting. Uh, friendship so that the, with God. Yeah. So charity is typically in English. English is a yeah. I, I don't think of charity like that. <laughs> I yeah. mean, just so in, even the, in the way English it's used in English. Uh, charity yeah. is like giving money to the poor or yes, exactly. organizations. It's yeah. doing something for the person, even if you don't know them, yes. and don't care about them. Yeah. So that's the uh, the corruption of charity. So as I said <laughs> before, in the in in Christianity was which which is where this. Uh, 
this word became a kind of technical term, precisely to, to explain this love of God, this friendship with God that is very different from our friendships. And Thomas Aquinas said that uh, we need goodness in the others to, to, to love them, right? Even if I love things, you need something good in them. Otherwise, why would you love them, right? Even if you love your friends, mm. it's surely because they have something attractive, something lovable in them. And therefore, that is attractive and then you, you produce, so to speak, that love for them. And he said, unlike God, God doesn't need goodness in anyone to love them, which exactly is, is how Jesus described the, the love of the Father, that he loved the sinners. And the more you're a sinner, even perhaps, the more God wants you uh, to, to be attracted to him. So that God is really free to love. We are not that free. We need some goodness in the other person. Think about if why is it so difficult to love your enemies? Because they want your they, they are your enemies. They don't want anything good for you. So why should you love them? What is good in them for them for you to love? To to love. Think about I don't mm. know criminals, people who have been very bad. Why is it difficult to love them? Because there is nothing good in them to love, right? So, but uh, wow. yeah. So the, what is unique about Christianity is that uh, this characteristic that is unique in the love of God that doesn't need goodness in us for us to for him to love us and therefore is more free as I said before our love is conditional in that in that sense in the sense that you need some goodness some attraction mm. from the person in, in order to establish the relationship and then hopefully from there can grow so it's in, in in that way it is dependent it is conditional it needs conditions it needs in its uh, this particular yeah, but what about people who let's say don't believe in God or you know they're agnostic and how how would you explain love to them especially I mean do we have to bring up God I'm not sure yeah God is that love yeah and any, anyone can be attracted to that love without thinking that they believe in God but you do so really yeah, because like, so imagine you have this equation: God equals unconditional love. Yes. So anyone who loves unconditional love loves God, even if they don't know it, because it's the same thing. Wow. And this is why in the church we believe that people who truly love God, even if they don't know they do, uh, they can be saved because they actually love God. But the opposite is also true: that you can tell yourself that you love God. Hmm. But God equals unconditional love. So if you don't love unconditional loving, you don't really love God. You think you do, but you don't. So it works both ways. You understand? Oh, the, the, wait, wait, wait. I don't understand. No, I don't understand. Yeah, How yeah, do you so, put the flip side? So flip imagine part. God equals, this an equation, God equals unconditional loving. Yes. Right? So anyone who loves unconditional loving, by the same token, love God. Yes. Even if they yes. don't know that they love God. Yes. Okay. By the same token, people who say, I love God, but they don't love unconditional loving, you don't really uh, love God. You love the God you have made in your mind. You love uh, an idol you have created. This is why the, the Bible is very intense about people fabricating idols, fabricating gods with their hands. Today we don't do that. We are more sophisticated, but we, we fabricate ideas of God in our heads, ideas that are of God that are very convenient for us, that God loves me very much and saves me, and I don't, it doesn't matter what I do because God is going to save me. That kind of free, easy uh, grace that uh, some theologians yes. have spoken, which goes back to the point of 
uh, of uh, Saint Dominic who wanted to say, no, you have to to know God as He is, not as you want to make Him. You have to believe in the gospel as Jesus preached it, not the gospel that you have created with your mind. And this is why, mm-hmm. once again, truth and 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 truth is important because you may be making false ideas about God that are not really God. And if you devote yourself to that, you are wasting your time because that is not God. I think you talked a bit about the freeness of the world we live in today and how, like, if this makes me happy, then I'm going to keep doing this. Or if this is what I think is Mm -hmm. love, then I'm going to keep doing this. And I, I don't know, especially when it comes to, let's say, the idea of, like sexual relations even mm-hmm. in before marriage or the, or the idea of not marrying someone but deciding to just be partners with them. It's very, it's become a lot like this. And I just, I don't know what your thoughts are on these kind of topics. It's, it's just evolved a lot today. Okay, yes. It's just an application of what I said, that uh, the quality of the relationship is not based on what you feel or how the other person makes you feel. Mm. It's based on your commitment to that relationship and to the goodness of the other person and understand if the other person is also committed to you in the same way. That true love mm-hmm. is to will the good for the other. The commitment of that. And that is what marriage is. It's, it's, a, it's a vowed commitment. The, the difference between marriage, marital love, or the love of marriage and any other kind of friendship is that uh, you are going to be for this person for the rest of your life. And therefore, uh, you're committed. And this is <clears throat> what the, the wedding is. It's just a public commitment that people mm-hmm. have seen you vow that you are going to be committed to this person. And that's what makes it different from any other relationship you know, you know, than any other friendship. In friendships, you, don't, you, don't, you may commit, but you don't vow. You don't, you don't make, I will be here for you. I will be your friend for the rest of our lives. If he continues, he continues. If he deepens, he deepens. And if he disappears, he disappears. Yeah, it's, a private, it's a private uh, relationship. Right? So yeah. why marriage is different? Because once you are in... Because people want more than friendship, I think. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think women are very clear about that. <laughs> they mm. want more than friendship. A friend that sticks around and goes to the movies with you is insufficient. You want somebody who takes care of you. Uh, particularly, women have one more challenge, which is uh, if you want to have children, you are mm-hmm. going to be very vulnerable, very busy, very committed to the life of this uh, little one. You need someone who is uh, there for you and that you can rely on that has this fidelity and this commitment. Uh, you don't want a friend. A friend. Then what about men? Yeah. What about men? I mean, what do you think they want? They want to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) They, I think, okay, I'm not sure about this. Mm. I feel, people say, I feel, I feel that men are more, are perfectly fine to commit to someone, to the happiness of someone. And, but they don't want it to be too complicated. That if they have to figure out many things that are beyond their their capacity, then it becomes too burdensome for them. I don't think they mind uh, to be uh, to be committed to be committed to the happiness of the other person, 
of the wife and the and the and the, and the children. Uh, but I think they are more averse, perhaps, to things that are unpredictable, too complicated, and, and, and all that. So they need a relationship that is kind of uh, a bit, perhaps, more uh, predictable. Easy? <laughs> I, no, I don't want to say easy. Uh, this yeah. Predictable and easy is not the same. It's not comfortable. It's not, uh, as I said before, by their personality. Men are ready to go to war, okay? Typically, uh, which women... I mean, in today's society, I don't know if men are ready to go to war. Well, yeah. sadly, it's in Ukraine and in Middle East, they are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I don't think that for everybody appreciates comfort, but I think we are kind of made for facing challenges uh, that that doesn't scare much scare us as much as as uh, things that we cannot figure out figure out and, and, and that we don't know what is the solution to it and all that so i think that's uh, the, one of the differences between what men want and women want so are you saying i mean you said about men being ready for war do you think it's also men men also want a mission sometimes i don't yeah, know because i think that men and yeah, women yeah. Are, i think we're, we're driven by very different things i i think at least yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we are different. Uh, we are we are equal in dignity, and we are different in every other aspect. We are physically different, mentally different, spiritually different, psychologically different, and uh, they are not big differences, but they are good differences. And this is why we are attracted. We are more attracted to a person of the opposite sex than to a person of the same sex because there is nothing. If it is of the same sex, they will be the same in the other Oof. person. There's nothing. There is nothing for me to gain for that, right? Typically, so we. That's why persons of the opposite sex are more attractive. They have something I don't have, and seems like it is good for me uh, to mm. have. Yeah. Mm. So, and not not only we are different, we are complementarily different, which means that these differences are not chaotic. We are different from cats and dogs, right? But we are not attracted to them because the difference, how the cat is different from me is not something that attracts me very particularly. But if, mm. I don't know, if uh, you are very factual and the other person is uh, very, I don't know. Feelings driven. Uh, <laughs> I, don't that's, know. That's, uh, I don't want to say that. It sounds too uh, uh, stereotypical. Um but they are very good at, at at finding out what the other person is thinking or intuitive, intuitive perhaps is the word. Yeah, uh, then you admire that. Oh, okay, it's more simple extroverts and introverts. Even even if if you're an extrovert, perhaps you, I don't know. Okay, I am an introvert, and I I'm an extrovert. Have, <laughs> I'm a hundred percent extrovert. I always admire people who are extroverts, and I think okay, perhaps I'm. It is very tiring to be with them more than three hours, right? <laughs> but uh, but there is always this this uh, this appeal to that. A kind of mm. perhaps I don't know if it is a kind of envy that they oh yeah I'm comfortable being an introvert, but oh that person dares to speak up his mind or her mind. It doesn't. So it's uh, that mm. that aspect of that life complements you. It's something that you, you want. You don't need to be that person, but this is. It's good and refreshing to have that in your life. 
Yeah. And this is why I think that so what is important, and, and this is very, very important because it is something that we are missing. The moment you say that we are different, oh, you think that we are less. No, I'm saying that we are different. If nobody said mm -hmm. anything about less or more. It is just different. And there is nothing wrong with that. As long as we are very clear that we are equal in dignity, then we can be also very clear about the, the other differences we have and celebrate the differences. Think about racial differences is the same thing or cultural differences. Mm -hmm. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's something to celebrate. The human genius cannot be exhausted in one culture. Think about languages. Why do we have so many cultures, mm -hmm. so many languages? Because what we need to say cannot be said in one single language. We were talking about English and the limitations of the English word, for English language for love, if there is such a limitation, because it's not... Yeah, not but, may, but some people may say that, okay, so we love all these differences as such, we should be more inclusive with the way we view, I don't know, sex, the way we view all sorts of other things. How, how are those, how is that different from that variety that you explain? That to include people, you don't need to give up truth. Oh, okay. Explain. What does that mean? <laughs> we go back to the to St. Dominic. <laughs> okay. And the, love, and the love of truth and all that. As I said, mm. what is true is that we have two sexes, I mean, we have sexual differences, that's true, and yeah. these differences are not only physiological or biological, as downplaying, once again, the role of the body, that, oh, it's only the body, and the body is immaterial, it doesn't matter, what matters is the soul, and we are all equal mm. at that level, that's, that's, not, that's not right, that's, that's not true, so you don't need to hide those differences, downplaying them, or being afraid of them, if you know mm. the truth. It is true that we are different. It's a, there is a good reason why we are different. There is a reason to celebrate. If you're a woman, mm -hmm. you have to celebrate your femininity. Yeah. If you're a man, you have to celebrate your masculinity and also appreciate and the, the femininity of women and vice versa. If some people mm -hmm. are, by whatever reason, uh, they, they, they don't fit in any of those two categories, that's, that's not a once again, there's not a reason to exclude them for that. It's, mm. it's just like we are not all equal. And once again, it's, a, it's another difference. And we also love one another. And that's, that's the message of Christianity. Even people who seem not to fit in the more common categories for whatever reason they are. Yeah. So there is no... So that's, 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 that's my point. That... Mm. Uh, so we can still love, but we can also still speak yeah. truth whilst, whilst loving. Yeah, there is, there is no that's... reason to exclude these people from anything. I see. Okay. Well, I mean, just on that point, like I think we, we talked about how love has kind of been, the definition of it has really been really watered down. And we have, you know, breakdowns of marriages with the divorce rate mm -hmm. being super high. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's very clear that we are no longer practicing that commitment that we've preached at the aisle. And mm, I, I wonder, mm, what do you yeah. think is the cause of that? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a very big question. We're not going to solve yeah, the world's yeah, problems yeah. tonight, but but what, what do you think is, I don't know, some of the causes of that? Yeah, it's a big question with a big answer. So basically, people think that it's a failure of love, and it's not a failure of love, in my humble opinion. So there, there are a few factors. First of all, life is more complicated now than it used to be. Uh, you need mm. people used to be adults when they were twenty-one. 
Uh, today, even at 31, in my grandfather's time, uh, all you have, what you needed to do to bring up a family, you knew when you were 17, practically. <laughs> how to take care of the farm, how to take care of children. That's it. You, you, you know all that when you are, mm. when you are 17. So the moment you come back from military service, typically my father's generation all got married. Mm. But today society is way more complex. Uh, first, you have to finish your studies and you don't have any money. You cannot do anything. So you have to earn some money to have a little bit of maybe a house or some money in order to start a family. So by the time you think that you are... So think about how people today think that they are adults in society. Yes, they yeah. want to vote when they are 17, but uh, do you consider yourself an adult, an independent person who can have his family, start a family now? That's what it means to be practically a grown-up yeah. in society. No, until <laughs> they are 38 or 39, right? First, when you, you have, have money. Your study, then when you, you have, have to work for 10 years, then you have to buy yeah. an, uh, a flat or whatever, and then <laughs> you can consider. So by the time you think that you are ready, you are like... Uh, your late 30s so societies our lives are uh, a bit more complicated more complex yeah more complicated okay and therefore uh commitment and to be ready to commit uh, is 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 more uh, it takes longer it takes more things you need to study more you need to be ready for a society that's more complicated but uh, i think the main reason is that we are all handicapped our generation has been handicapped for commitment as I, mm. as I said, people think that this is about relationships, that the marriages are failing. That's not true. Because if you take a look at the any kind of commitment, like priests and religious life, you see the same decline. Oh, but okay. The, that people yeah, are leaving the priesthood or they're not? The same rate, yeah, yeah. That are leaving oh. the priesthood and religious life practically at the same, it mirrors the decline of, uh, of marriages as well which okay. tells you already that perhaps this is not about relationship, this is not about being compatible, this is about commitment. And I think there is a good reason for that. There are two kinds of understanding freedom, and uh, I think, I don't know, this, this, uh, there was a, one of my favorite theologians ever is Father Serve Pinkers, and he speaks about oh, Pinkers, yeah. Thomas, Thomas Aquinas understood, how Thomas Aquinas understood freedom. And Thomas Aquinas understood freedom in, before him, it's not only him, it's uh, the capacity to choose good. Right? Mm. And today we don't believe in that. Today we have fallen into what Pinkers calls uh, freedom of choice versus freedom for excellence, I think. Mm. What's the difference? Yeah, so freedom of choice is, is just, I want to be free to have as many choices as possible. Okay. Uh, freedom for excellence is, I want to be good at this. And so he uses this image that really I think was revolutionary for me when I read it. And it's the image, the parable, what I call the parable of the piano. He says, one mm -hmm. thing is to be free to press keys in your piano. Right? But if you think about that, what is, the what is the point of pressing keys? And that freedom will depend on how many keys you have in your piano. So the longer mm -hmm. your keyboard, the, the, the more free you feel. But if you really want to play the piano, you mm. will have to sacrifice some of that freedom of choice in order to build a second freedom, the freedom to be able to play the piano. Right? Mm. 
Mm. If you want to learn to play the piano, you have to practice and practice and practice. And you, you're not going to just press any key you want. Yeah, you can get, get bad song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but when, once you have learned, who is more free? The one who learned how to play or the one who doesn't? Who Just anyhow press. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously both of them will have the freedom to press keys randomly, but only mm -hmm. one of them will have the freedom to play real music or even to improvise. So that's the freedom for excellence that he calls. It's a freedom that you have to conquer and then you become good at that. And I, I really think that that image is, is probably one of the most important lessons we need to learn in, in, in our world today. We are all obsessed with freedom of choice. You think ab about the market. What does the market mm -hmm. do? What do you want? What key do you want to press? And it yeah. is easy because it feels good. You just, just press anything. You, it doesn't, you, need, you don't need any effort. So you want think about consumerism, think about mm -hmm. the things you want to buy. You don't want one choice. You want 1,000 You want choice. everything. Yeah. You don't want one key. You want a piano with 1,000 keys. Right? Uh, yeah. And we think that happiness depends on what kind of piano you get how much you earned, uh, what kind of house you have. What, it's, it's all about get the best piano you can, right? Yeah, With yeah, yeah. as many choices as you can, right? But you think about who is, uh, who is more likely to play better music, a bad pianist with a good piano or a mm -hmm. good pianist with a bad piano. And obviously, mm -hmm. a good pianist with a bad piano will be able to play some music. You give me the best piano money can buy, I can, I can only make noise. Mm. So that's, that's really for me the, the, the key, that we are all handicapped for commitment because we have fallen into the corrupted version of freedom, thinking that freedom of choice is all we need. So we have forgotten mm. about conquer freedom, freedom for excellence, that if you want mm. to be free, you have to change. You have to invest some of your choices, give up some of the choices, and then commit yourself to learn something, to change yourself so that you can be a good pianist with the choices life throws at you it takes discipline is what you're saying yeah it's not only discipline it's the commitment to change that mm. uh, two people can have the same kind of life the same kind of piano the same kind of choices and this becomes an excellent person and this doesn't think about inspiring people think about nelson mandela think about mother teresa think about these people they are not inspiring because they have good pianos they are mm. precisely inspiring because in spite of having bad pianos, they mm, perform. They played a well. good song. Yeah. They played a good song. Why? Because we all want. So that's that's the point that we all instinctively like good music, good lives, right? are inspired by good lives. And good lives doesn't mean happy lives, easy lives that they, they have it easy. Who is inspired by Hollywood actors that have all the millions in the world? Mm. Maybe some people envy them. But it has, it, it's not really inspiring in that sense. What inspires us is people who have poor pianos, bad pianos, and they still manage to play good music. And and we have forgotten that. Not only we have forgotten that, we have lived in an we live in an age in which we are constantly bombarded by the, this idea: if you get a good piano, you will be happier. And it is yeah. simply not true. It is simply not true. So once again, we go back to the lies and truth. If it is not true, why are you going to buy that? So uh, that life is not about the piano. It's about the pianist. Of course, the piano matters. I'm not saying that uh, having a good mm. piano is bad, but it's not. So it's 99% about the pianist and 1% about the piano. And we are getting wow. it the other way around. And you want to talk about marriage. I think it's the same thing. People imagine 
my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my future husband, future spouse has to tick all these boxes because mm-hmm. this is the piano. This is the piano I want to play. Yeah. Without without bothering, are you a good pianist? Are you going to to uh, commit yourself to make music with this? Uh, so what you say then the key is to to compromise on to to limit yourself to fewer options. Well, what's the key here? Because we know that there has been a breakdown in terms of commitment, but mm-hmm. how do we learn how to commit better, how to love better? What's the solution? <laughs> I mean, I, I know it's a very it's Singaporean yeah, thing to ask. No, yes, yes, yes. It's a very good question. So that yeah. don't be fooled by the appearance of choices. Okay, let us go back to my father and my mother, right? So my, fa- <laughs> my mother had very clear, she didn't like bold men. <laughs> and now, now you guessed it, right? So I get my genes from my father. So he was born, he married my mother. So that you are very, she was very ready to throw the boxes out of the window. If, mm-hmm. if she knew that, hey, this man is going to commit himself to me. And that's, that's really what I need. And I can play, I can commit myself to him. I can change and I can, I can, so that's, that's, that's what marriage is all about. Is this person, uh, the adequate person, can I, is this, is he making me a better person? Am I making him a better person or her? And mm-hmm. uh, can I be committed to that, to, to that task of making them or and in the process making myself a good Is this relationship making us better? Or is this relationship just getting, trying to get whatever we want from, from the other person? Mm-hmm. And that, that commitment is uh, changing you. It's, it's like being a pianist. It's like you have to sacrifice some things. You have to learn. You have to think, is this working? Is this method working? No. Then I have to change the method. Right? Mm. So that's, that's what we have lost. So I always tell people, if, if you choose your car as you, if you choose your spouse and you choose your car, you will scrap your spouse as you mm. scrap your car. So what, that's what we do with cars. 10 years, it doesn't fit my needs anymore because I have all this list. Uh, so mm. it, that's okay. It's okay with cars. But if you transfer that way of thinking to people, then it's when you end up treating people like things. And, and mm. of course, it's not going to work because sooner or later, that person is not going to tick the boxes you expect. Yeah. To but then that you, sh- you should still have emotion for this person. I mean, you can't just... Because there's the idea of people talk about settling. Are you settling for less? Mm-hmm. And I, I think maybe there's a difference that between settling and compromising, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't think settling for less is that, first of all, that the other person is a gift. Mm. And gifts cannot be engineered, cannot be wow. demanded by the very nature of the gift. As I said before, what? you have all this... Mm. So somebody gives you a gift on your birthday. You yeah. Don't, you don't tell, oh, it has to be blue. It has to be the size. It has to be, <laughs> it's a gift. Yeah. So the person thinks about you, what may please you and tries to surprise you, right? It doesn't, it, if you order it in Amazon, it's, it's not really a gift. You can buy that for yourself, but you're not going to be surprised. And this is why children and spouses are gifts. You, people don't should not engineer babies. I want a baby with blue eyes, this size, and this. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, moment, yeah, yeah. The moment you do that, you end up treating your child like a product that you is there to satisfy your needs. That's why you engineered and you demanded these conditions 
for this uh, person to satisfy you. So the moment we, that thinking that we have for things yeah. and technology and all that, which works very well for that. And we are very good at that. And perhaps that's why we are more, uh, we are more fascinated by that and we are more full into that. That does, mm. then I will build my life. Uh, uh, this is the kind of piano I want. These are the conditions for my piano to suit my needs, and then and then I will be happy. Which is once again, it's not true. You think about all the people who have all the money in the world, all the possibilities in the world. Think about Hollywood actors, right? Mm. If you want a predictor of divorce, winning an Oscar, <laughs> winning an Oscar is the best predictor. Practically mm. all. Wow. Yeah, yes, also all a lot of celebrities. It's not a lot. I think it's once I, I don't have the, 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 the figures, but yeah, it's like the best predictor wow. of divorce is getting an Oscar. Wow, it's, that's so sad. <laughs> Why? It, make, it makes perfect sense because you have all the money in the world, you have all the attraction in the world, you have all the popularity. People are thinking that life and happiness depends on that because then you have the piano everybody wants. That's the piano everybody wants. Fame and money. And you have it all. Mm. Then you realize that, hey, I have it all, but I am not happy. Or I'm mm. unable to have a relationship and committing to this person because all I want is my piano. And I don't want to sacrifice myself or to devote myself or change myself because this is what I thought life was all about. So once again, it is, it is not true that uh, people who win wow. Oscars are not the happiest people in the world. They are not yeah. inspiring at least to me, and they are not the happiest people, once again, it's, it's just by any measurable standard. So mm. once again, it's, uh, it's about your, can I, can you commit yourself to this and can you, what are your choices to commit for this? Are you ready to change and are you ready to try this again and again? That's that's what fidelity is all about, whether it is to your spouse or your or your fidelity. children. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, what does it mean to love this person? And you don't know. I always tell couples when the day of the wedding that they don't get married because they love each other. They get married to learn to love each other. It's not yeah. about you. You don't marry the person you love. You love the person you marry. That's more or less how it works. That's, That's so what beautiful. marriage is all about. It's about the, now the two of us are going to learn to love each other. Mm. And we, we commit myself. I, I'm committing myself to learn to love you. And we'll never give up trying to, to learn to love. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like the idea of fidelity even to your children. Like, I remember that story of your mom. When you got angry at her, she could have just been like, whatever, I don't care about you. You're being no, a brat. No. But she could, instead... She could have been yeah. defensive. She could have, she could have been angry herself, which she could yeah. very easily, right? Or cry and say, but I did it out of because I love you. Yeah. And all that. But she, she did nothing of that. She yeah. just... Suffering silence, my silly, my silly anger, and indeed. And I feel she went the extra mile, literally, to go and get yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, 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 that was literal, okay. a literal mile. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, so that's, and that's what love is. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something that we have lost. Uh, I think my generation and generations after, we have we have lost that that idea that uh, hey. Life is not easy. It's not about the whole world worshiping you and orbiting around you. It's about you. How how are you going to orbit around the things that are worth orbiting around? Uh, what mm. changes are you going to make and what sacrifices are you ready to, to do to learn to do that? So once again, it's, it's, it's not the sacrifices. It's about the learning. Mm. 
Wow. It's about the skills that uh, makes you uh, uh, the person you want to be. And a good play- piano player. Yeah. Yeah. So that's okay. one of the reasons I think why today uh, divorces. So the more your culture is uh, freedom of choice kind of culture, which if you think about this, Western culture is, is 100% that. Okay. Mm. And this is why in Western societies, divorces are more popular than in more traditional societies where life is hard and this lesson of the that life is not about getting the piano you want because we cannot choose, you can hardly choose anything in our societies if they are poor and struggling and, and more traditional, this is the piano you, you're going to have. Now the question is, can you play that? Wow, so good. Wow, okay. So I know we've talked a lot the last hour. Uh, I just want to ask you one last question uh, that I try and ask all of my interviewees, which is, you know, knowing all that you know for the last 56 years, Wow. What is the greatest lesson on love that you have learned? Or one of the greatest? I, I don't know. Yeah, but once again, we go back to the old definitions that uh, still seem to work, that love is giving yourself mm. to the other person. But you cannot give what you don't have. Yeah, I cannot, I cannot give you a book if I don't have a book. Right? So if you don't have yourself, you cannot give yourself. And once again, we have lost that capacity as well. That uh, mm. if I don't try to own myself, and and that means to have some virtue, right? That mm. I am not the victim of my whims. I'm not the victim of my emotions. I'm not the victim of my circumstances. The more you be, you feel that you are the victim, and all the things decide for you, the less you own yourself. That I do this because I want to do it. I don't do this because I don't want to do it. And I am able to do to make those choices. So if mm-hmm. you don't... The very old idea of Aristotle, uh, Aristotle's and, and, and Aristotle and friendship, so the, the highest degree of friendship is the, the, the friendship based on virtue. And mm-hmm. it is because if you have made of yourself a virtuous person and then you can own yourself, then you can give yourself. If... Yeah. You are, as I said, the victim of your whims or your emotions, or and then all these things control you. You don't own yourself. How can you give yourself? So mm-hmm. uh, we have once again we have lost this language for virtue, culture of virtue, even the appreciation of virtue, and we have substituted that for a kind of freedom of choice. I want a life. That gives me uh, more opportunities, more choices, more things that please me. And it's simply not true. It's not because pleasure is bad. It's, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just that it's yeah. useful. It's useful, it's nice, but it's, it's not the point. We have yeah. lost that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Thanks so much, Father. I have learned so much from this conversation and I'm so excited for people to listen to this. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Father David. Uh, I think I certainly myself have a long way to go on knowing how to love better and fuller. And I'm continuing to work on that. So thank you for listening. And I'm so grateful to have you here.